This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamecom slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture that was read came from the book of Exodus, the fifth chapter, and I read the first through the 21st verses. But allow me just a moment to lift up the sixth verse. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Today is the first Sunday of Black History Month. A time each year when we reflect on the history of a people who have had great collective achievements despite coming through much adversity. A history that for whatever reason people either try to deny existed or at the very least believe should be forgotten and never researched or even discussed. Whether it's critical race theory or the reason for the Civil War, the mere mention of anything regarding race becomes anathema to the dominant culture everywhere in this world. And to be clear, antagonism towards people of African descent is not unique to the United States. Just visit Spain or South Africa or India or any of these countries and you will quickly see how the very existence of black people causes others to express the very worst of humanity. Yet, despite all the efforts to quiet the voices of protest in the seeking of justice and even reconciliation, black people, especially in this nation, are constantly being met with intense opposition and vitriol. It is really difficult to understand what is driving this kind of hatred But despite all those efforts, as a people, we continue to progress and move forward. No matter how much has been taken away from black people, no matter how much access has been denied to black people, no matter how much effort is being used to drive us to make bricks without straws, still we rise. That is our history. That is our legacy. And so today, as we begin our celebration of our very rich history and legacy, and with our text from the book of Exodus, as was just read, as a foundation, I thought to preach a message titled, quite simply, By Your Bootstraps. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father and the name of Jesus Christ, the God of our weary years and the God of our silent tears. Today, Father, we do not walk as a defeated people. We walk, O God, recognizing that even in the face of intense oppression, intimidation, even misinformation and confusion, still we keep our eyes focused on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. 
And so, Father, as we invite you now to preach this message, speak to your people, Lord. Let them not be distracted by language that may somehow appear offensive, but let them hear the words, and most of all, let them feel the Spirit. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was watching a movie this past week called The Last Duel. It stars Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, and the story is actually set in, I believe, 14th century France. And it is centered on the revenge of this knight who his wife was raped by a squire. And so he sought revenge. Now, in the movie, the knight's mother, right, she, she, she did not care too much for the wife. And so she's always been treating the wife with disdain. And, and in one scene, the scene that caught my attention was when in a conversation between the wife and her mother-in-law, she turns to her mother-in-law and she says to her, you are very cruel. I'm not sure why that caught my attention, but she said, you are very cruel to her mother-in-law. And so as I was preparing for this message and I was looking up, you know, some places for inspiration, I stumbled upon a quote by Dr. King. And this is what Dr. King said in his quote. He says, it's all right to tell a man to lift himself up by his own bootstraps, but it is a cruel jest to say to a bootless man that he ought to lift himself up by his bootstraps. And, and, and so, to my surprise, Dr. King uses the same word that caught my attention when I was watching the movie, the word cruel. And so I decided to, to investigate the meaning of this word. So I went to the dictionary, and this is how the dictionary defines the word cruel. Willfully causing pain or suffering to others and feeling no concern about it. You see, it's not enough to cause pain and suffering to someone else. It's not enough to cause someone to actually suffer, but it's an entirely different thing to do so willfully and to have no feelings of concern about it. To, to willfully inflict pain and hardship shows intent and malice, and it is a very low form of humanity in relationships. But, but to have satisfaction from that kind of behavior and not be concerned is what the dictionary is describing as cruel. Yeah. Now, now, while that is a good understanding of cruelty, I, I think the malice goes a little deeper, especially when we think of the black experience in America. Clearly, the dominant class willfully caused pain and suffering when they beat and berated black people during chattel slavery. They did. Clearly, they willfully caused pain and suffering during the Cicero riot, the Tampa Bay riot, the Longview, Texas riot, the Peekskill riot, the Slocum massacre, the Camilla massacre, the Verdon, Illinois race riot, the Nashville race riot, the Columbia race riot, the Elaine, Arkansas race riot, and more riots than I can even remember. And I guarantee that some of these riots you probably never even heard of. Well, Too many to mention. Yes, sir. And sure, they cause pain and suffering during the lynchings and the bombings, the terrorism, the discriminating, the segregating, the church burnings, the cross burnings, the murders. I could go on 
and on and on. Every month during black history, we talk about this as if it is ever going to go away. We will not forget it. But it seems to me that in this day and age, you can see more open display of white supremacist attitudes and you can almost feel a sense of glee coming from those who are able to still try to keep us making bricks without straws. At every turn, whether to elect the first black president, the first black vice president, or even to mention nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court evokes so much anger and opposition that just to even mention it, that you would think we're taking something away from white folks or the dominant culture. Well. And if we raise our concerns, you get sidelined like Colin Kaepernick or are told to just shut up and dribble. Who do these people think they are? Hmm. My point is simply that white America has caused so much pain and suffering to black people that in many ways, the worst of it is not the pain they have inflicted, but they're relishing in their desire to keep on benefiting from their entitlement and evil with no concern or remorse. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a joy and a delight that comes with the inflicting of pain and suffering on such a level that really makes it quite cruel. Think of it this way. Imagine a child ripping off, pulling off the wings of a fly. And the child now watching the fly try with great futility to try and fly and then finds amusement in it. That is what it means to be cruel, to willfully cause pain and suffering and feeling no concern about it. So when Dr. King says it's all right to tell a man to lift himself up by his bootstraps, but it is a cruel jest to say to a bootless man that he ought to lift himself up by his own bootstrap. He's literally saying that white America and their animus towards black people is like a child pulling off the wings of the fly and feeling no remorse as the fly suffers. Well. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, even though you have no boots. Huh. It is cruel, to say the very least, and the fact that even to this day, over 160 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, America has yet to take full responsibility and accountability for its treatment of black people, or to recognize that they are still reaping the benefits of their exploitation. America needs to repent and America needs to make amends. But there is nothing new under the sun. In looking at our text, Moses and Aaron have petitioned Pharaoh to allow the Israelite slaves an opportunity to go a three days journey into the wilderness just to have a festival to worship their God. To this request, Pharaoh responds that he did not know this God. Who is this God? I don't know this God. And as such, he denied their petition. Pharaoh further remarked that the people were too numerous, Moses. Look at all of these people. And Moses, you're distracting them from their work. But Pharaoh was not satisfied with just saying no to the Israelites' need to worship. Pharaoh was not concerned with the people's right to petition the government. Pharaoh was not concerned with the people's right to peacefully assemble. Pharaoh was not concerned with the people's need for religious 
freedom, and Pharaoh was definitely not concerned with cruel and unusual punishment. And just in case you did not notice, all of these things that I just described that Pharaoh is not concerned about is actually found in the Constitution of the United yes, States of America. Yes, sir. In fact, look now at what Pharaoh even says in verse 6. The same day, that same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. Let me just stop right there. Where, have you heard this before? There's nothing new under the sun. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing new <laughs> under the sun. And not much has changed since Pharaoh made that decree. Yeah. If you don't believe me, just listen to a few of these statements from some more recognizable Pharaohs. And I quote, I advance it, therefore, as a suspicion only, that the blacks, whether originally a distinct race, or made distinct by time or circumstances are inferior to the whites in the endowments of both body and mind. Thomas Jefferson. How about, I will say then that I am not nor ever have been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. Abraham Lincoln. As a race and in the mass, the Negroes are altogether inferior to whites. Theodore Roosevelt. I think that the guy's lazy. And it's probably not his fault because laziness is a trait in blacks. It really is. I believe that. It's not anything they can control. Donald Trump. Barack Obama is the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean. Joe Biden. All of these pharaohs, no matter how much you may like some of them, represent the same spirit as the pharaohs of Egypt and the emperors of Rome. And to be clear, church, I'm not talking about these people personally or even white people as a whole. I am talking about a spirit. I'm talking about the spirit of the dominant culture, which is satanic. And the scriptures remind us that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. And yes, those high places include the Oval Office. No matter who the occupant might be. Amen. They wield immense power that serve to maintain the status quo and to keep the powerful and the wealthy comfortable as you and I work to make bricks without straws. Pharaoh called the Israelites lazy, and that's what he is still calling you and me today. But the text goes on further to say this, interestingly. Verse 10, then the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. 
So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, complete the work required of you each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's, watch this, Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers they had appointed. Why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday, today, as before? Did you see that? The slave drivers were Egyptians, and some of the Israelite overseers themselves, they were traitors to their own people. And because the quotas were not being met, the Egyptian slave drivers, they turned now on these overseers and, and blaming them for the low production. So much so that the Israelite overseers now went and made their own petition complaining to Massa Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants this way, Massa? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Jumping down, Pharaoh then says, huh, Pharaoh then says, you are lazy. That's what you are. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said to Moses and Aaron, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious in the sight of his officials and put a sword in their hand to kill us. Let me speak this to you in plain language, church. Pharaoh is every leader in every government that oppresses and exploits people to protect itself and its own interests and a privileged few. That's Pharaoh, no matter what color they are. Secondly, in that structure, you will always find a few of the oppressed turning their backs and betraying the interests of their own people to try and curry favor with Pharaoh. Just ask Judge Clarence Thomas, Ben Carson, Tim Scott, Candace Owens, Kanye West. Do I need to keep going? And third, when Pharaoh turns on these so-called people, they will not blame Pharaoh for the plight that they are in. They will blame Moses and Aaron, John Lewis, and Rosa Parks that have been trying to help them all along. <laughs> Just ask O.J. Simpson and Bill Cosby. I'm not telling you anything new or what you don't know, church. I'm simply telling you that you are only valuable to Pharaoh as long as you are making his bricks. And the moment that you try to exercise your rights, he will force you to make bricks without straws. Well. The term bricks without straws, as I'm explaining it, means the same thing as pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. The term pull yourself up by your bootstrap is a phrase that was initially meant to be sarcastic to, or to suggest something that was impossible for you to do. For if you really think about it, how would you actually do that? How can someone actually pull themselves up by their bootstraps? Can you think about it? You're going to grab your bootstraps and pull you. It's not possible to do. But the phrase's meaning has changed over time. And so when the dominant culture tells black people, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, whenever they say that to black people, they're actually saying that everyone in society is capable of advancing themselves economically. And if you are not doing so, then you are lazy. You're lazy. So what if you can't get the kind of loan that they're giving others to start their investments? You're lazy. You gotta figure it out on your own, but we're not giving you a jump start. You're lazy. 
400 years of slavery and then you say, okay, now you're free, but you give land to the landowners and to the slave masters and you say, go figure it out yourself. And because you can't, you're lazy. But still we rise. Amen. Still we progress. Still we move forward. Even when there's nothing in our hands, we don't need to make bricks without straws for we have something even greater and we call that thing faith. So what are we to make of all of this? Especially as a people of faith and as we kick off this Black History Month celebration and awareness. Well, <laughs> I really, really struggled with this message, so you know, church, just so you know. Not an easy message to preach. But I struggled and I thought about this and I said to myself, let's see, who else, Eve, in history was asked to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Who else, did, who else did they ask? In other words, who else was asked to do the impossible? Who, who else was given that kind of a mandate and that kind of command to pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Well, I found it. Come on. I found it. In the book of Matthew, the 27th chapter, and the 35th to the 43rd verse, hear these words, church. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Stay with me, church. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their hands and their heads and saying, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days? Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the elders mocked him. Can I go on? The presidents and the pharaohs. Yeah. Can I go on? They mocked him and they said he saved others. But he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. <laughs> if you are the son of God, save yourself. Uh, make bricks without straws and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You saved others. Now make bricks without straws and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. All of this coming from people who are passing by. The chief priests the teachers of the law, the elders, the soldiers, and even a rebel that was crucified with him. As Jesus hung on that cross, body bruised by the scourging, hands stretched and pierced, feet crossed and pierced, blood dripping from his brow from a crown of thorns, yet he's being asked, to do what? Take yourself down from the cross. Take yourself down. Make bricks without straw. Pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. Fly without wings. Do the seemingly impossible. Jesus was suffering at the hands of a people that were willfully causing him pain and suffering and who were feeling no concern about it. These people, my brothers and sisters, they were cruel. But he held on. He knew that his redemption 
drew near. And with his dying breath, he uttered these words which have now reverberated throughout all eternity. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the point of my message and how I actually want you and I to respond to pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It is when we are faced with the seemingly impossible, when looking at the thing that is hardest for you and I to do, things such as forgiving the unforgivable, loving the unlovable, praying for your enemies, doing good to those that hate you, showing mercy to the undeserving, and believing in the faith and promises of God, and still hold on. That's how you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Still persevere, still commit, still stay the course, still fight the good fight of faith, Still march on until victory is won. Yes, this is how you make bricks without straw. This is how you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. This is how you win. This is how we've overcome and are overcoming. This is how we do it. We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus' very dignity as a human being was ripped away by a very evil and demonic spirit that seeks to rip away your dignity and mine as well. But what that demonic spirit needs to know is that while it may think we don't have boots or straws, The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that will lift you and me as well. Jesus did it all, and he did it all for you and for me. So when Pharaoh accuses us of being lazy and is not concerned with our right to petition the government or our right to peaceably peaceably assemble or our need for religious freedom, And when he's not concerned with cruel and unusual punishment, remind him that Jesus overcame the impossible by pulling himself up from his bootstraps when he rose from the grave and became our very present help in time of need. And because Jesus raised himself by his own bootstraps as believers, You and I, (laughs) we don't need no boots. In Jesus' name, may the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.